heard pain tell love, she said, Where would I be without you? By Troying Read by TWTD Chapter 5 So, love, I'd better find a way to build my world around you. February comes, and with it the promise of a much-needed break. There is a pile of backlog paperwork and other administrative tasks to handle, of course, but even so, Hecate relishes the quiet. She does wish that Ada had appointed a temporary deputy during the most difficult parts of her recovery, for both their sakes. But there's nothing for it now except to play catch-up. Still, she feels as if a weight's been lifted off of her, despite the mounds of work weighing down each of their desks. Things will be even better after the first week of break is over. After the rest of the staff leaves the castle to just Hecate and Ada, a quiet, comfortable stillness in the echoing hallways. For now, she suffers Algernon and Quinn, and their incessant mooning over each other, and Miss Tapioca's ranting about the state of the kitchens, and gardens, and supplies, and suppliers. The one person she wishes she did not have to suffer is Dimity who seems to have noticed that she's in a better mood and decided to capitalize on it. Cackles would not be the same without Dimity Drill, this is true. Indeed, even Hecate will admit that the school would be far less in her absence. But must every phrase out of her mouth be snark? What's even worse, she seems to be dropping an awful lot of observations about Pippa when she catches Hecate in private. There's nothing inappropriate, of course. She's too good a woman for that. But she is needling. Hecate tells herself not to succumb to such ridiculous tactics, but she feels her hackles rise every time Pippa's name slips out of Dimity's mouth. On Thursday, she catches Hecate in the doorway to the potions lab, asks with a grin, Hey, HB, your girlfriend joining us this weekend? Hecate bristles body ramrod straight as she turns to peer at Dimity. I don't know what you're talking about, she says slowly, enunciating each word as if the daggers of her consonants will scare Dimity off, though it's never been the case before. Dimity arches her brow, leaning against the doorframe with her arms crossed, munching it casually on a half-eaten apple. Oh, come on, you know, socialite, gorgeous, Wears a lot of pink, bit sporty, covers all the magazines, headmistress Pentangle's a cat. Miss Pentangle is not my girlfriend, Hecate hisses, wanting very much to vanish into thin air to escape the conversation. Right, Demony replies. She shrugs, pushes out of the doorway, and lopes off down the hallway utterly unfaced. Cackles would be less without Demony Drill but Hecate wouldn't mind a few days without her. And yet, a few hours later, her voice comes echoing down the hallway, causing Hecate to flinch and freeze where she stands. Oi, HB, Dimity calls, almost in sing-song fashion. I've been thinking about your girlfriend problem, the way I see it. Hecate inhales sharply at the words, this line Dimity keeps insisting on crossing, this... And are Hecate's affections really that obvious? Or is Dimity mistaking the intimacy of old friendship on Pippa's part for something it isn't? 
It doesn't matter why or how she's come to these conclusions, Hecate realizes in the next moment, body going rigid with a flurry of annoyances and desperation and fear. Would Dimity make jokes like this in front of Pippa? Has she already? What damage will Dimity's wagging tongue cause? What damage might it have already caused? Hecate panics. That's the only word for it. Before Dimity has finished her sentence, before she comes into view, Hecate twists her hands in front of her on impulse. Doesn't think about it, just does. Twists her hand in front of her chest and pivots on her heel. The air around her crackles and fizzes with energy and the smell of gum turpentine, compressing and releasing again so quickly her stomach feels like it's lodged somewhere near her throat. And for a long and terrifying moment, she wonders where on earth the ground has gone off to. She doesn't breathe until the world comes into focus again. Pippa finds it always takes a bit of getting used to, the quiet of the castle over the break. The students at Pentangles are relatively unfettered. They are expected to be respectful of the staff and other students when quiet is called for, of course, just as in any other time. But much of the curriculum flavors collaboration, whether in the form of group work or roundtable discussions. As a result, the grounds and corridors frequently ring with conversation and laughter. Pippa doesn't like to be alone in the castle almost never stays past the first week of break, leaves the grounds deserted, but surrounded by protective spells, and departs just a day after the rest of her staff. The castle is freshly empty of students now, echoing with every footstep. The staff are still here, will stay one more day. At the moment, she knows they are all likely cloistered away in their own offices or bedrooms, completing their own work. She slips out of her shoes, pads quietly across the area rug in her room, a wiggle of her fingers executing locator spells to help her find necessary forms and paperwork in the disorganized pile she has moved from the desk in her office to the smaller one in her private rooms. She might develop a better system one of these days, but, well, she's 48. The chances are slim, honestly. The atmosphere of the room changes suddenly raises the hair on her arms and the back of her neck like static. The air goes heavy and then seems to rush out again, then clouds with deep purple. It isn't frightening, though it is momentarily staggering, but above it all, it is familiar. Pippa steps back from her desk, peering around the room in confusion. Hiccup? She speaks into thin air, and then, as if willed into being by Pippa's voice, Hecate materializes with an outcry and stumbles forward, reaching blindly for Pippa, or perhaps for anything at all, as her knees give out beneath her. Pippa lurches forward and catches Hecate up by the arms, searching her face with alarm. Hecate seems just as surprised to be here, eyes wild and skin ghostly pale, trembling from head to toe as she fights to keep her balance. Pip, Pippa? she asks, voice tight in her throat. Squeezing her arms, Pippa shifts her weight to compensate for the way Hecate rocks unsteadily forward on her feet. It's me, she says, reassuringly as she is able. I'm here, Hiccup. I've got you. Over the next several painfully long seconds, 
Hecate steadies herself, gaze flitting around the room as she gains her bearings. And then, just as suddenly as she appeared, she pushes off to the side, brows furrowing, face darkening. I think I'm going to be ill. Pippa follows her, catches her around the waist as Hecate tips forward again. Okay, okay, she says, shunting all other concerns to the side in favor of dealing with the immediate situation. The bathroom's over here, Hecate. Come on, she says, doing her best to keep her voice soft but firm. Seconds later, Hecate tips forward again, landing hard enough on her knees to make Pippa wince. Hecate only grunts, weight balanced over the toilet on her elbows, her whole body trembling. Pippa waits, kneels behind her with her hands on Hecate's shoulders, and waits. Hecate heaves forward with a gasp, but she isn't sick. Pippa doesn't know what to do. Hecate's knuckles are white, every muscle in her back tense, quavering with effort, shoulders hunched at inhuman angles. So she soothes her hand across Hecate's shoulders and down her back, mumbling susurrant nonsense phrases, forcing calm where she doesn't feel it herself. Why is Hecate here? By accident or intentionally? Last Pippa checked, Hecate was unable to transfer at all. Transferring between their schools is something Pippa would only do as a last resort on a good day. So if she's done this of her own accord, the muscles twitch beneath her hands, and Pippa leans forward automatically. Just before her lips brush the back of Hecate's neck, she remembers that that isn't right. She can't do that. Hecate isn't hers. Her heart lurches in her chest, fingers smoothing up to frame Hecate's shoulders with a soft touch as she tilts her forehead against Hecate's head for a moment instead, leaning in as close as she dares. Is everything all right, Hecate? she asks softly. She is almost afraid of the answer, though objectively she realizes Hecate would have already mentioned it if there were trouble, if something were wrong. She would push herself to give a message if she had one to give, and so this must have been an accident, though Pippa cannot fathom how. She pushes down that niggling realization, that hopeful thought that, if this was indeed unintentional, Pippa had been the destination that came to Hecate's mind. Not Office, not Ada, Pippa. And how much force of will had it taken to bring her here? Hecate exhales, a dark note of hoarse laughter in her throat. Fine, she says, voice clipped, sinking lower onto her knees. Her voice is muffled against her own chest when she adds, magnificent. At the very least, her body has stilled again. Pippa sighs, slides a hand down to the small of Hecate's back, the other gripping Hecate's arm gently. Okay, she murmurs, offering what she hopes is a comforting squeeze. Okay, do you think you can stand? Hecate hesitates for a moment, then uncurls her body a little and nods slightly. All right, all right, I've got you. Come on. It takes longer than it should, getting her to her feet. Pippa offers whatever support she's able, whatever Hecate seems to need. Let's Hecate bear down on her as she stands, hands clasped around elbows, and loops an arm around her waist once she's upright. 
taking Hecate's weight against herself, encouraging her with a firm hold to use her for as much support as she needs. Ready? Pippa asks once Hecate is steady. Hecate nods again, swallows, clenches her fingers against Pippa's shoulder, and mutters breathlessly, Just don't transfer. I wasn't planning to, Pippa speaks softly, but her heart thunders at the pitch of Hecate's voice, at her helplessness. She swallows down the sense of dread it evokes, holds Hecate close as she helps her to the bedroom, to her bed. Pippa, Hecate rasps as they near the bed, stiffening again inexplicably. Just lie down, Hiccup, Pippa orders, and Hecate does not resist as she helps her down to the bed. I gave you all the potion I made, so I'll have to mirror Ada. If she sends it now, it should be here in time for your evening dose. Pippa, I'm not... You're in no condition to travel, Hecate. She keeps her voice low and steady, but firm. Unzips Hecate's boots for her, leaving them at the foot of the bed. Notes for the first time the thick material of her stockings. Not by transference, and not by broom. Just rest. I'll be back soon. She leaves her there, transfers to her office, and murmurs Ada's name into the mirror. Miss Cackle is in her office, smiles warmly at Pippa when her face comes into view, asks voice soft, Can I help you? Ada, it's Hecate. She's... She's here, she says, seeing no reason to skirt the subject. She transferred. She watches Ada's brows rise, the questioning frown curl at her lip. I didn't know she could transfer. Neither did I, but she's here, Pippa replies, gesturing aimlessly with one hand. She seems to have done it unintentionally, though I can't fathom how. Ada makes a thoughtful noise in response, but whatever she's thinking, she doesn't say. Instead, she asks softly, voice just betraying a concern she seems to be trying to hide. Is she well? At the moment? No. She's drained. Physically. Magically. I don't think she'll be traveling anytime soon. Can you send her potions by flying post, Ada? Of course. Do you need anything else? Pippa shakes her head, manages a small smile. She's left Morgana behind. She gets on just fine with Pendle. I'll see to her. Pippa manages to smile a little broader. Other than that, not at the moment. Not that I can think of. I'll let you know. Ada nods a reply, and Pippa lets out a shaky breath. Thank you. Oh no, Ada replies, an encouraging smile suddenly overtaking her face. It's comforting. It really is. Pippa feels her nerves settle, just a little. Just enough. Thank you, Pippa. Keep me updated? Of course. Hecate wakes with a groan to the sound of Pippa's insistent voice, her throat dry, body overcome with exhaustion. Mm, Pip. Ada sent your medicine, Hecate. It's time for it. Come on. Blinking her eyes open, Hecate sees the familiar vial in Pippa's hand. Do you think you can eat something? Pippa continues. Hecate has to gather her wits about her, has to assess the state of her body before she can answer the question. 
In the meantime, she lets Pippa pour a measure of the potion past her lips, swallows it obediently. She should eat, she decides. She doesn't want to, but her stomach is no longer rebelling, and if it's time for her potion, it's past time for supper. She sighs and makes herself nod. As she pushes herself upright on weak limbs, letting Pippa settle pillows more comfortably behind her back while she does so, she takes more careful stock of her surroundings. She has never been in Pippa's rooms at Pentangles. Never been to Pentangles, she reminds herself bitterly. But she must be in Pippa's room. Her surroundings are not quite as vivid as she might have expected, and certainly not as pink. There's a sprawling area rug down past the foot of the bed, a comforting rich teal in color. The bedding, of course, has its fair share of pink, but it isn't gaudy, falls far short of the blinding magenta Pippa so frequently favors wearing. The decor is varied, easily as cluttered as Ada's office, if not more so. Pippa never was particularly organized, but it isn't quite the eyesore she was expecting, at any rate. Lifting a hand to take the pro-offered plate of food, a small selection of lighter and more substantial fare, Hecate notices the pale flesh of her own arm, furrows her brows at the absence of sleeves, at the wisp of hair tickling at her shoulder. Pippa, she mutters, belatedly giving her own body more attention. The sleep chemise she's wearing is conservative enough. She can feel the hem tickling at her knees below the throw Pippa must have covered her with while she was sleeping. Pippa follows her gaze downward, flushing a little. What you are wearing didn't seem very comfortable, she explains timidly, managing an uncertain smile. I... I wouldn't have used magic on you, but... Well, under the circumstances, sorry. It's fine, Hecate replies automatically, choosing the still warm hand pie from the small selection on her plate. Her stomach isn't unsettled, and she's already missed two meals, so she might as well have something substantial. She glances at Pippa as she finishes the mouthful. The pie is savory, of course, but still almost too rich. Almost. I can move, I think. Do you have a guest route? You're not going anywhere right now, Hecate. Pippa, I can barely sit up on your own, Pippa finishes for her. Hecate flushes, gazes down into the pastry. She has a point, though Hecate is loath to admit it. Far from the first time lately, she finds herself cursing her body and its frailties. You're staying here. Pippa adds after a moment, as if that settles it. Really, it does. Hecate parts her lips to speak, but Pippa quells the urge with a glare before pushing herself upright and circling around the bed to curl up against the headboard beside Hecate while she eats. Do you feel any better, she asks, more gently now. Not really, Hecate mutters using another bite of hand pie as an excuse to consider how she felt before, just after transferring, to how she feels now. Everything feels like it's back in the right place now, she says, but it doesn't mean much. It means she doesn't feel like her insides are itching to be outside of her. It doesn't mean she isn't drained. Really, 
she feels about the way she did in the infirmary at Cackles. Not upon first waking. No, no. She has the benefit of her potion in her system now. But that same helplessness. Even now, her hands tremble as she eats, only slightly stronger than she was then. And again, she finds when she wills herself to try, she cannot feel the magic inside of her. She stiffens, but forces herself not to react, not to let the reality of the situation affect her. She focuses on her food instead, forces herself to eat despite the lack of appetite, mechanically chewing and swallowing and feeling Pippa's eyes on her with every bite, though the other witch says nothing. When she offers the plate back to Pippa, having eaten her fill, Pippa banishes it back to the kitchens with an absent-minded wave of her fingers. Hecate tries not to envy the ease with which she casts. How do you feel? Pippa asks softly after a span of silence, trying again. Hecate turns to face her, finds Pippa's eyes still on her, pink lips turned down into a concerned frown. Empty, she says, because at the very least she owes Pippa and herself the truth. Pippa reaches for her, curls her fingers around Hecate's and squeezes slightly, lips drawing into an attempt at a reassuring smile. You mentioned that when you cast, you expend more magic than usual, but that you regain it at an adequate pace as well. Depending on your definition of adequate. Pippa makes a noise of displeasure, but rubs her thumb gently along Hecate's knuckles. Well, I'm going to count on you regaining your magic quickly here. Who knows? It might even be good for you to be here. Pentangle's founding stone has a completely different energy. It can't hurt to let your magic be nurtured by various sources. Hecate snorts but holds her tongue, unwilling to be cruel now. Pippa seems to understand, falling into silence for a span, though she doesn't let go of Hecate's hand. It's comforting, Hecate supposes. She closes her eyes, takes a deep breath, makes herself really inhabit her surroundings. Pippa's magic, its lightness and warmth, the smell of her, subtle and sweet, petrichor and honeysuckle. Do you want to take a bath? Pippa's voice is quiet, gentle. Hecate forces herself to nod. Hecate's sleep is fitful at best. Pippa wakes several times in the night, curled up beside her on the opposite side of the bed, watches her face contort and her fingers twitch, listens to her nonsense mumbled complaints. In the morning, she brings up breakfast. Hecate grouses about molly coddling, but nevertheless allows Pippa to curl behind her late morning, with her fingers tracing mindless, delicate patterns along Hecate's back magic seeping into her skin. She stays in Pippa's bed most of the day, and Pippa does her best to address the final tasks that need doing while her full teaching staff is still here, and curls up by Hecate again that night to rub gentle circles on her back until they both fall asleep. Something is wrong when she awakens again. Terribly, terribly wrong. Hecate is turned away from her, her body stiff, breathing labored and punctuated by short, quiet whimpers. She shakes herself awake and reaches out a tentative hand toward Hecate's shoulder. Hiccup? 
Hecate yelps, her entire body lurching away when Pippa's fingers land on her shoulder. Don't, she cries, voice strangled and pitched high. Pippa yanks back as if burned, startled by the outcry, heart in her throat. Hecate, are you? Just as her hand nears Hecate's body again, just as she's about to touch her shoulder, to pull herself closer to the other woman's body, thinking perhaps Hecate had a nightmare, that what she needs is physical comfort, that what that that what she needs is physical contact, that what she needs is comfort. Hecate begs, don't touch me, don't, don't, Pippa, please. The plea slurs into nonsense as Pippa slips down to the foot of the bed, half crawling around it to Hecate's side. She reaches automatically for her hands and then yanks them away again, heart thundering all the louder. She thinks perhaps Hecate is having a particularly lucid nightmare, but one look on her face dashes that hope, for Hecate's eyes are wide, glazed, and damp in the darkness. Hecate? she asks, her own voice a plea, using the ensuing silence as stimulus to really look at Hecate. She is rigid, her body twisted at odd angles, as if she's trying to leave it entirely creating as few points of contact as possible between herself and the bed. It's all pins and needles, Hecate breathes in a rush, finally breaking the stillness with words. Fire on my back. Don't touch. Don't touch, please. I'm not touching, Hiccup. I won't touch, I swear, Pippa replies, tangling her fingers in the bedding to give credibility to the promise. What can I do? Nothing. What about your potion? That's for muscle pain and spasms. Not for this, Hecate says through clenched teeth, voice rising steadily in volume. A pain potion, then. They don't work. What do you mean they don't work? I mean, they don't work. Well, what do you take for this? Peppa demands, desperate for an answer. Any answer. The potion you brewed. Then why isn't it working? Because sometimes it doesn't, Pippa. Hecate's voice is raised at the last, sending Pippa reeling back, staring at her in bewilderment. If she can't help, surely there's something. Hecate speaks again before Pippa has fully processed the situation. Voice low, clipped, but gentle as it can be under the circumstances. Pippa, I'm sorry. Pip, please, Pippa, go. Please go. Leave me alone. I, please. Pippa pushes away from the bed, staring at Hecate's now closed eyes, at her lined face in the semi-darkness. She doesn't have any answers, has no idea what to do. She forces herself to walk out the door, not knowing what else she can do but listen and leave. And then she is in her office speaking Ada's name into the mirror without fully realizing what she's doing until an unfamiliar bedroom is framed in the glass. A light is on at the edge of the frame. Ada Cackle is curled, sleeping still, onto the furthest edge of her bed with a black cat, Pendle, her brain supplies, snuggled against her back, and another cat, who Pippa recognizes immediately as Morgana, paces the empty span of bed in obvious distress, 
Ada? she asks, and Morgana lifts her head, meowing loudly. Miss Cackle? She knocks on the glass, just as Morgana leaps off the bed, and a moment later the cat is very close to the mirror, giving another long call before sniffing at the glass. Hello, dear, Pippa murmurs, swallowing down the tightness in her throat and pressing her fingers against the glass. She isn't well, I'm afraid. Morgana chirps back, and Pippa points in the direction of the bed. Help me wake Ada. I need her help. As Morgana leaps back down from her perch again to bound onto the bed, then Ada's stomach, Pippa resumes her own attempts, desperate for guidance. Ada, Ada, please, I need you, she begs, as Morgana outstretches a paw to bat at Ada's chin. Pippa suspects the woman could sleep through anything if she tried hard enough. Pendle joins the fracas as well when Morgana meows plaintively. Ada finally wakes to her own familiar nipping at her ear and Morgana's deathly yowl. Goodness, Pippa just hears her say. More, Pendle. Ada. Ada jerks upright, displacing Morgana from her chest as she does, and disengages herself from the bedding to move around to the mirror at surprising speed, and with even more surprising alertness. Ada, it's Hecate, Pippa says, not waiting for the other woman to question her. She's in pain. She... The tears start then and she splays her fingers, glances down at them as if they're the culprits in all of this. She won't let me touch her, Ada. I don't, I don't know what to do. She won't let me give her a pain potion because she says they won't work. Because they won't, Ada interjects softly. Caught off guard by the interruption and the words, Pippa blinks up at her. Ada's eyes gleam, soft and sad, though her mouth is drawn into a thin line. What do you mean it won't? She's in pain. Pain potions are for pain. I know. I know it doesn't make sense, reasons Ada, voice low. Has she taken the clear potion? No. Okay. She may feel she doesn't need it. It's relatively short acting. Do you keep any sleeping drafts? Pippa thinks on this for a moment, then nods scudding tears from her cheeks with the heels of her hand, in the infirmary. Please understand, Pippa, and I know this is difficult to hear, but there's really very little you can do to help her right now. Get a sleeping draft. It's the only thing that's going to give her any relief right now. Pippa nods, forces herself to listen attentively as Ada continues to speak. Try to convince her to take a dose of the clear potion, she might not want to, and that's fine. If she does, there are measurements on the dropper. Just give her the smallest dose unless she says otherwise. Then give her the sleeping draft. With it, she might sleep four, six hours if you're lucky. Only that, Pippa blurts. She usually metabolizes potions relatively quickly. Even if not, remember she's in a great deal of pain. Ada glances away from the mirror and her eyes fix on what must be a clock, because she says, she'll miss her next dose of the daily potion, but being a couple hours late won't harm her. Give it to her as soon as she wakes up. By then, she'll almost certainly want the clear potion again. 
With the lingering sleeping draft and the dose of the clear potion, she might doze off and on for another hour or two. Okay. Ada smiles very slightly, encouragingly, then continues. Often during these episodes, she's sensitive to odors, sounds, lights. Keep the lights dim, run her a bath while she's sleeping, and don't put anything in it. When she's able to get up, she'll probably appreciate the soak. Ada's quiet for a moment, so So Pippa asks expectantly, Then what? Ada shrugs. Wait. You can get away with giving her the sleeping draft every 12 hours for a few days if necessary. Keep giving her the other potions. Let her dictate what she can and can't do. She knows her condition, Pippa. All you can do is be prepared to help if she needs it. Pippa swallows. A few days, she said. She feels very heavy. Her chest hurts. How long will this last, Ada? She watches Ada's lips pull into a pained smile. It's been a long time since he's had a bad episode, Pippa. I couldn't tell you. When she first started at Cackle, she was in and out of one for three months. Pippa can't quite stop the pain noise that leaves her own throat, but Ada doesn't pause. She was able to teach most days, but on others she couldn't leave her bed. Sometimes they only last a day or two. She sighs. We'll pray this is one of the latter variety. Pippa nods dumbly, staring past Ada, lost somewhere in the distance. Months. She can't imagine. Thinks how terrible it must be to be forced to fight through this alone. Knows the pain must be excruciating. Hecate is so reserved in everything to betray such pain. Pippa? Pippa shakes herself back to the present, stares at Ada with wide eyes. Do you need me there? Pippa thinks about this for a moment, swallows, shakes her head resolutely. No. Okay, keep me updated? Of course. The call ends. Pippa takes just a moment to steal herself before setting out to do as instructed. She finds a sleeping draft in the infirmary potion store and returns to her room to find Hecate much the same. She agrees to take her potion a small dose, and doesn't fight the sleeping draft. Pippa waits, waits for sleep to take her, and then a little longer, watching as Hecate's body relaxes into the bedding, breath unsteady but slow. She runs a bath and manages to resist the urge to add something relaxing or restorative or something to it. Trust the charmed tub to keep it at the appropriate temperature until such a time as it's needed. It's still early, but she can't think about sleep. So she goes for a jog up on the ramparts, using the pre-dawn light to guide her. Showers in one of the guest rooms, does some paperwork, startles at the way magic suddenly grows crawling up her skin a couple of hours later, informing her that someone has arrived on the otherwise deserted grounds. Her staff has left. It should just be her and Hecate. She transfers out to the main gate and finds Ada there with her hand raised to knock, looking bone-weary with a restless feline circling her feet. Morgana. Ada, I didn't. I'm afraid Morgana was less inclined to remain at Cackles. Ada murmurs wearily, managing an absent smile as she gestures vaguely down at the familiar. She insisted. Well, come inside. 
No, no, it's all right. Ada, I insist. You'll fall off your prune if you're as tired as you look. The sun has only just peaked above the horizon. She can't blame her. Ada acquiesces and finds a seat on the sofa in Pippa's office with a fresh pot of tea beside her. Insists she might have a brief nap, that Pippa need not attempt to play host. Pippa takes her word for it and makes her way back to her private rooms with Morgana at her heels. Hecate is still asleep when they arrive, though she is rolled onto her other side. Morgana leaps onto the bed, sniffs and purrs and paces up the bed and back down again, seemingly satisfied enough with her examination, though the tip of her tail continues to flick in agitation. She curls at Hecate's feet, angled so she has a clear line of sight to Hecate's face. Pippa lets out a breath she didn't know she was holding, and settles into a plush chair, weary of pretending it's a normal day, but disinclined to bother Ada when she's been so good as to bring Morgana here. She can't imagine the discomfort, sensing, then knowing, that something is wrong, but helpless to act. Pippa watches the cat for a moment, but aside from the flickering tail, she is still as a statue at Hecate's feet. For a brief moment, she wonders how difficult it will be to remove the hair from her pale bedding. She's not sure she knows any fur removal spells. She doesn't realize she's dozed off until a soft knock comes on the door. She blinks awake, pulls the door open enough to reveal a decidedly more enlivened-looking Ada standing in the doorway. I'd forgotten, Ada says in greeting, holding out a vial of potion. She may need more. Peppa takes it from her and manages a grateful smile. Now, I wouldn't want to outstay my welcome. Oh, Ada, no, Peppa insists, conscious of the volume of her voice. Don't you? I feel much better now, Ada replies, reaching out to touch Peppa's hand lightly. And I'm afraid there isn't much I can do here. Her gaze flickers from Peppa's face into the room, to Hegarty's sleeping form, and her lips draw into a tight line again. No, having two people here to fret over her won't help at all, I'm afraid. Unless you need me, Pippa. I think I'll go home. Pippa hesitates, then nods. Thank you, Ada. Again. No need to thank me, dear. Just look after her. I will. Of course I will. I know. I know. It's not long after that Hecate does wake. Pippa sits silently watches as she fights it, then sinks back into a restless 15-minute nap, and then another briefer one. She rolls over, biting back an outcry, and Pippa lowers herself to her knees at the bedside, forcing herself not to reach out, not to touch. Hecate, I have your potion, she says simply. It's time for it. Can you take it? They manage it, and then the clear potion. And as Ada had suspected, Hecate slips into another series of fitful naps beneath the combined weight of the sleeping potion and antispasmodic. Later, she hauls herself out of bed and lurches toward the bathroom. Pippa gives her a moment, knows she'll only want to support her physically and that she can't. When she does follow her in, Hecate is contemplating the tub with a distant expression hands shaking as her fingertips pull at the hem of the chemise. Go ahead, Pippa murmurs, 
I'll help you with that. When Hecate nods, a twist of her fingers removes her garments and lands them neatly off to the side. The soak is abnormally long, but Pippa says nothing. If it helps, she doesn't care. Only perches on the toilet seat and gazes into her hands as Hecate goes somewhere else, eyes locked on a nothingness beyond the tiled walls, body curled forward, again making as few points of contact as possible between her body and the surroundings. Is it always this bad? Pippa asks after a while. Quietly, very quietly, in case the noise does bother her. Hecate comes back to herself, glancing sideways at Pippa for a moment, before she replying, No. Sometimes. She pauses, then adds, It's been a long time. A long span of silence passes. Pippa swallows, almost whispers, I'm sorry. For what? I don't know. Everything. Nothing. Silence again until Hecate leans forward to call herself upright, a pain noise catching in her throat when she begins to move. Pippa leaps to her feet, hovers nearby as Hecate makes her way out of the tub, ready to aid, but unwilling to touch if it isn't necessary. Hecate manages it, and Pippa raises her hand, performs a drying spell when Hecate nods assent. Another flick of her fingers has Hecate wincing, reaching up to adjust the strap of her chemise where it lies against her shoulder. Her nostrils flare as she shuts her eyes, shifting the strap again just a little. It must be the seam at her back, Pippa thinks, watching for a moment with pursed lips. You don't have to wear it, she murmurs, reaching her hand out before she remembers again that she cannot touch. Hecate begins to arch a brow, but then, as if even that pains her, lets her expression drop back to a neutral one. There's no need for propriety, Hiccup. This isn't cackles. It's just us here. Nobody's going to come looking for you. You're not going to be needed at a moment's notice. You can wear or not wear whatever pleases. You can wear or not wear whatever you please. And if you do nothing but lay in my bed for the next week, I won't judge you, though I can't promise not to fret. For a moment, Hecate looks like she's going to laugh, or at least smile. Instead, she gives a tiny nod. Pippa removes the garments once more, and another flick of her fingers has a glass of water in her hand. Drink, she orders softly. I'll go straighten out the bedding. She pulls back the covers, smooths down the sheets carefully. Wrinkles won't do. Could you eat? She calls back. Hecate doesn't answer at first. It's almost directly behind Pippa when she finally does. I don't think so. Morgana meows disapprovingly. Pippa jumps at the noise, having nearly forgotten the familiar was there. She's perched in Pippa's chair now, quiet and unimposing and out of Hecate's way, but she must not approve of Hecate rejecting food. Later, Morgana. Hecate grumbles, lowering herself to the bed with a groan. The cat settles at that, but Pippa thinks she looks rather dissatisfied with the situation. Honestly, she rather thinks she likes Morgana. She never disliked her, of course, but she's also never realized just how attuned to Hecate's needs she is. 
She remembers Hecate telling her that Morgana could become quite grouchy when Hecate missed a meal. But she had been still and quiet as Hecate slept. And although Pippin knows Hecate's usual breakfast time has passed, her familiar had tucked herself quietly out of the way until food was mentioned. Pippa has great respect for familiars, of course. She's awfully attached to her owl. But owls and cats are very different beasts, and even among feline familiars, she's never met one quite so comprehending of nuance. She lets Hecate find the most comfortable position before lowering first to the sheet, then the comforter over her body. I have lavender oil, or valerian if you'd prefer. Would that be all right to help you sleep? You can try. So Pippa sets about diffusing a little oil into the air from the side table, murmurs assurances that she'll be back when it's time for her next dose of potion, and leaves her be. It doesn't do them any good for Pippa to linger in the room fretting. She'll get nothing done, and it won't help Hecate at all either. She does pop down to the kitchens first, making up a platter with an assortment of light snacks, to be set beside the bed, and shredding a handful of leftover chicken for Morgana, who headbutts her hand and thanks when she leaves it for her. She checks in regularly as promised, doses potions, refills the water glass, runs another bath come evening, when Hecate takes a higher dose of the potion for her muscle aches, body twisting into rebellious knots at the abuses of long hours in uncomfortable positions. Pippa curls up on the opposite side of the bed afterwards, on top of the bedding, beneath an oversized throw. She knows her own penchant for stealing blankets, knows she'll probably wind up snuggled against Hecate in the night if she isn't careful. Better a sense of separation for Hecate's well-being as well as whatever sense of propriety remains between them. She doesn't sleep much, too worried to find real rest. When a glance at the clock in the middle of the night tells her there's nothing she can do, no potion to give, she holds her breath and pretends she does not hear Hecate sobbing into the pillows beside her. The next day is much the same, but Hecate forces herself out of bed a little more, manages some very light stretching, eats two small meals, grumbles at Morgana when the cat becomes agitated between the meals she does eat. And again the next day, more stretching, more soaking, three meals and some tea, a single digestive in the afternoon. The next morning, long before sunrise, Pippa wakes from uncomfortable dreams, not nightmares per se, and the subject eludes her, but she knows they were not pleasant with a start, only to find a body pulled up close to hers, a head of thick hair tickling at her nose. Hecate moves closer with a muffled complaint when Pippa jerks away, head dipping beneath her chin, nose brushing across her collarbone, and breath hot against her throat. But then quickly, as if just realizing fully what is happening, she pulls away again with a noise that sounds like, oh. Pippa reaches out, thoughtlessly resting a hand on Hecate's arm, just as Hecate's eyes come into view. A little wide, a little startled, as she looks into Pippa's face. It's then that Pippa remembers how much pain the smallest of touches has caused Hecate for over the last few days. She pulls her hand away, but it's Hecate who utters a sudden, sorry. 
No, Peppa's voice cracks with this use, so she tries again. No, it's okay. I just don't want to hurt you. You didn't, Hackney mumbles back. Pippa watches her with curiosity, lowering a hand to Hackney's shoulder and ghosting her fingertips against her skin. You're feeling better? Hackney seems to consider this for a long few moments, checking in with herself piece by piece. In some ways, she replies at last. Turning slightly, Pippa lets her eyes adjust, peers at the clock. It's past time for your muscle potion. Do you want a dose? Hecate hums a nod of assent. She has become agreeable to Pippa's use of magic for simple tasks when necessary. So Pippa summons the vial of potion over and props herself up on her elbows to dose it. Settling down beside her again, she watches Hecate for a moment. Her eyes are heavy with sleep, lids fluttering. Pippa reaches out, touches her shoulder again. Come here, she invites. She doesn't know if this is a good idea, but she does know that Hecate has reached for her in her sleep, that even if she will not admit it now, she wanted, likely still wants, the satisfaction of touch. Pippa will give it, would give it all day, every day, if only to give Hecate some small comfort. She deserves it, deserves more than that, but she is tense and unyielding and has built so many walls. And Pippa is deeply afraid of trying to give more than she will accept, of appearing overbearing. She knows she can be aggressive in these things, knows that she lacks the same understanding of Hecate's barriers she used to possess when they were children, knows that a wrong step may look to Hecate like a battering ram rather than an emissary petitioning for peace. Hecate gazes at her for a long and still moment, expression unreadable. Pippa. It's okay, Pippa tries, stroking her thrum across the curve of Hecate's shoulder. Come back. And it's enough, just enough. Hecate moves closer, tucks herself beneath Pippa's chin. Her breath gusts across Pippa's neck as she sighs, sleepy and content. Pippa curls an arm around her, splays her fingers against Hecate's bare back lets the warmth of her magic pool against her fingers, and strokes the base of Hecate's neck, eases her touch across Hecate's shoulders, careful of the tender points she knows are there. Is this okay? she asks into the darkness, voice soft, heart pounding. She wonders if Hecate can hear it. Mm, gently, Hecate mumbles, voice muffled and soft. Of course, Pippa murmurs back, of course. Hecate wakes confused, aching, and sore. Her body continues to rebel. She doesn't feel rested. And yet, there's a dichotomy. Her own body, stiff and smarting as she leaves the very worst part of the flare-up behind, ensconced in impossible comfort, tenderness. Bone-weary and loath to face the full character of her condition, she dozes a little, dragging slowly toward full consciousness. Her back is cold. She moans, moves her limbs just a little. One foot drapes off the end of the bed at the ankle. Sheets pulled taut against her toes. There's a weight across her ribs, cushioned by the thick comforter. Pippa's arm, she realizes, 
and that means that it's Pippa's hand curled against her back, where the blankets pulled down to let the cooler air of the room into her cozy cocoon of bedding. Her breath pools, gathers, warming her face, and she lets her eyes flutter open, finds herself staring at the long, pale line of Pippa's throat. For the first time, mostly covered in blankets and with layers of bedding nestled between their bodies, Hecate feels well and truly naked in front of Pippa. She draws back, a little apprehensive, as she glances up into Pippa's face, only to find her sleeping still. So she disentangles herself from the bedding, slips from beneath Pippa's arm, and levers herself upright at the opposite side of the bed, forcing herself to stay silent as she does. There's not a muscle or joint inside of her that doesn't hurt, she thinks stealing her resolve and making herself stand. She half stumbles to the bathroom, running a bath and turning to an ornate cabinet full of, of things. There are endless bottles of potions and soaps and an array of sponges and brushes as well. She wonders that she didn't notice them all before. Luckily, the Epsom salts aren't hard to find in the array, but there are no less than six tens of them and most seem to be some shade of pink. She groans impatiently and selects one at random, adding a generous amount to the tub as the water fills it. She thinks she might have chosen poorly. It couldn't be something mild or something even vaguely medicinal, something to soothe or enliven. It had to be coconut. Coconut and something else she can't quite place, something floral, undercutting the vivacious tropical scent. It isn't unpleasant, but even now she balks at such a frivolous fragrance. She settles in nevertheless, and immediately feels the effect of the spelled salt sleeping into her skin, relaxing aching muscles. Her own bath salts have a spell mixed in, but she dares to think Pippa's is better. She'll need a few more soaks to know for certain if that's true, or if the circumstances only make it seem that way. There's no sign of Pippa by the time she leaves the tub, so she dries herself with an oversized, abundantly fluffy pale pink towel from the shelf, and after a moment of doubt, takes a housecoat from a hook on the back of the door and wraps herself in it. For the first time since arriving, she has the wherewithal to fully realize that the only clothes she has are the blouse and skirt she was wearing when she arrived, and that she has no idea where those clothes are at the moment. The point is probably irrelevant, really. She needs to move, to stretch, to release her body, not constrain it to a fitted blouse and tight skirt, which means she will need to borrow clothes, because she isn't naive enough to think she's going anywhere right now. She can't and won't ask Pippa to transfer with her to Cackles, wouldn't anyway, as she's disinclined to relieve that feeling anytime soon. Not until she has a great deal more control, and she hasn't got the magic to fly, nor the will to force herself onto a broomstick for the trip, even if she did. But first, she needs to eat. She doesn't really notice how hungry she is until she exits the bathroom to find the furniture rearranged. She's certain that the table was in the corner before, and a tray of assorted breakfast foods waiting, along with the teapot and her potions. Pippa is already curled into a chair by the low table, a teacup in hand, 
and a black cat in her lap. Morgana stares at Hecate for a long moment before giving a rather pointed meow, and Hecate can't help but feel somewhat betrayed. They might be ganging up on her for her own good, but really, it makes her teeth itch. Still, she does eat. Not much. But she has found that she's far less hungry when she isn't using magic. Channeling magic, like anything else, consumes energy after all. It had taken this, losing her powers completely, to wholly understand just how much of her food energy was being used for casting. But even then, moving away from her frequent meals had not been an option. Her body simply does not function with meals spread so far apart and nothing to eat in between. Not only does she eat breakfast, but she manages four more meals, her daily timetable matched to a tea. It's a good recovery day in general, she realizes after. Pippa is good, too good, too magnificent. Ada has always been good, supportive and wonderful, had kept her on when no one else had been willing, given her a job, and made sure her classes were covered without question when she could not teach herself at a time when Hecate had only just scratched the surface insofar as actually treating her condition was concerned. But Pippa is something else entirely. She has enough understanding of it and of Hecate to know what Hecate needs, for the most part. And unlike Ada, she is pushy, in a way that makes Hecate want to roll her eyes, but a good way nevertheless. Ada has always been insistent about certain things, but only when necessary. Pippa is somehow more assertive, more vigorous in her care, leaves no space for argument, but does it without crossing lines. There's something to be said for knowing someone as well as they used to know each other, Hecate supposes. A murmured spell has a pile of Pippa's clothes, thankfully void of pink, fitted to Hecate's bodies. She's sporting the leggings, and close-fitting but yielding top all day, pausing often to stretch just a little, tiny victories that she accepts as best she can. Pippa rubs her back. She is too tender to let her do much, but open enough by now to close her eyes and breathe deeply as Pippa's hands skim across her shoulders and down her spine, magic warming and soothing her skin, slipping into and through her, unwinding in her limbs and curling around her lungs her heart. She doesn't deserve Pippa Pentangle, but she does her best to make herself, wills herself to believe Pippa when she gives her that look, begging without begging. Believe me when I say that I want to do this for you. She doesn't know why it is so important to her, doesn't know why she is so important to her, or how, after everything, Pippa can still care so much. It's been two months since Pippa said the words, but Hecate sleeps with an I still love you heavy on her breast, in Pippa's bed, in Pippa's borrowed clothes. She doesn't even argue when Pippa insists Hecate keeps sharing her bed. I want to be there for you if you need anything, Hiccup, she says, and Hecate cannot deny the too soft look in her gleaming eyes. In the end, she craves all of Pippa she can take in, devours every bit of Pippa she is willing to give. She gives back what she can, woefully inadequate, for repaying all Pippa has done and continues to do for her. 
but the best she has to give. A grateful smile, a timid thank you, an arm around her shoulders when she wakes with Pippa's cheek nestled against her chest. Part of it feels terribly disingenuous, but this time, this time if she is better, if she can hold on to her feelings, if she is stronger, well, she can hold on to Pippa forever, can't she? So she eats and stretches and trains her strength and relapses into the worst of her symptoms. She soaks and sleeps and tries not to whimper as Pippa releases trigger points in her back, something she's becoming adept at, to Hecate's mixed relief and chagrin. And she allows Pippa to sing song and I told you so, without rebuttal, when her magic proves to recover at a surprising speed. She even returns the kiss Pippa presses to her cheek immediately thereafter, and tucks her chin to hide her blush when Pippa startles at the touch, lower lip caught between her teeth. It's not all roses, of course, but all told, her magic recovery is back on track, a week after she is up and moving again. After 18 days at Pentangles, she returns to Cackles on a borrowed broomstick, Pippa at her side. She doesn't even mind the wary eye Pippa keeps on her. The timing is impeccable. The rest of the staff will return the next day to prepare for the term. And although she feels terribly guilty for leaving Ada to do the vast majority of the administrative work, Ada assures her that it's done. Mostly. Perhaps not as well organized as Hecate would like. But, well, Ada has her own system. Pippa leaves again with an unobtrusive farewell and a promise to see Hecate again soon. Not the next weekend, but the following one, she thinks. And Hecate settles in to sign off on a pile of papers, much to Ada's chagrin. She insists that anything that can be done now can be done tomorrow instead. But Hecate pushes through, tells herself that she won't strain herself too much. She is bone-weary by the time she falls into bed, and has a little more trouble than usual dragging herself back out of it in the morning, but her schedule falls back into place well enough. The staff returns, and the students, and if the flares of pain across her shoulders and down her legs are slightly more frequent than usual, she treats them with pragmatism and with as much grace as she can muster. She watches her diet, stretches well, bathes often extracts herself more readily than usual from stressful situations whenever possible. And she continues to heal. Pippa visits. Mildred helps sets up classes. Her magic grows and settles into her veins, seeping into her marrow. Her muscles and tissues and all the deepest parts of her suck dry by the stone and suffering for the void of power within them. She casts more often, with more control, and one April morning when she wakes, she feels different, feels strange, feels full. Her body has not forgotten the feeling of transference, the way she slips between places like a breath, but she takes great pleasure in the way Dimity nearly jumps out of her skin when Hecate appears beside her in the dining hall to take her respective place beside Ada. Ada glances up at her, first surprised and then knowing and Hecate feels herself flush a little for reasons she can't identify. She turns her palms up on the arms of her chair and wiggles her fingers one by one, letting the magic pool at her fingertips. 
and Ada, sweet Ada, reaches out to cover Hecate's hand with her own, folding her fingers through Hecate's and giving her hand a squeeze, smiling full bright. It's changed, you know, Ada says, just for Hecate to hear, when she ducks her head to hide the threatening tear. Hecate only nods, just a little, just enough, because her magic has changed, although only conditionally. Hard broom magic is, always was, a force to be reckoned with on all fronts, dense and heavy, consuming, white hot and icy cold in equal measure depending on its wielder and her mood. There is a new lightness to it now, barely noticeable but present, and Hecate knows that it's Pippa's doing knows it, because Pippa's magic diminishes slowly inside of her as she casts, has done as long as it has rested inside of her, because her body prefers her own magic, is attuned to it, but seeks balance in all things, because every spell she casts frees a little of Pippa's magic too, and because at the end of a long week of casting, though her own magic regenerates, Pippa's does not, because eventually, she feels an emptiness not caused by a lack of magic, but by a lack of Pippa's magic. Because while not vital to her casting, Pippa's magic is a part of Hecate now. She gives it three days to make sure, and her magic remains unchanged, full and binding. And so, Thursday evening, Hecate stands in the middle of her office, breathes deeply, and closes her eyes counts down as the magic unfurls around her. Hecate! Pippa is reaching for her before Hecate wholly realizes that she has arrived, worry etched across her features. Hecate shakes her head and holds up a hand placatingly. Pippa stills, watching her warily for a moment as Hecate breathes through the momentary wave of nausea, and then she grins, breathes a sigh. It's all right, Pippa. I'm all right. Well, what are you? Hecate extends both hands, palms up, and Pippa's expression moves from shocked concern to puzzlement. In the next moment, a look of dawning realization crosses her face, and when Hecate looks down to where Pippa's hands hover uncertainly in the space between them, she notices that the hair on both their arms is on end, the air heavy with her own magic, lingering from the transfer. Suddenly, Pippa grins wildly and places her hands into Hecate's. Although Hecate was prepared for the possibility of it, and although Pippa must expect it too, they both jump at the loud crack of dispelling energies, yanking hands away to favor sticking fingertips. Pippa even yelps. Hecate is still reeling slightly, eyes cast over Pippa's shoulder to a now flickering lamp, when Pippa begins laughing. And then, before Hecate has completely regained her senses, Pippa has the fingers of one hand twined with Hecate's, her other palm warm on Hecate's cheek, her lips on Hecate's lips. Hecate freezes, sways, and then it's over. Pippa withdraws, presses her fingers against her mouth, and stares at Hecate in terror. Oh, Hick, Hecate, I'm so sorry. I, I shouldn't have. I'm... Hecate shakes herself back to her senses, gazing at Pippa, trying to determine what she can say to ease her discomfort, if anything. But she can't. She can't because there's nothing and everything to say, too much and too little, and she stands there dumbly for a long moment, 
Distantly, she becomes aware that Pippa is trying to unclasp their hands, to draw away, and it's that tug that brings her back. She pulls back just a little harder, releases Pippa's hand when her momentum drives her toward Hecate instead of away, cups her face in both of her hands, and kisses her. And everything clicks into place. Or flows, really, because when their lips touch and their bodies align, the magic is pouring out of her, that familiar feeling of exchange, but more. More powerful, more inundating. Pippa's magic washes through her, head to toe, fills her breast until she thinks she is going to explode, and realizes she needs air, desperately, desperately needs a breath. Hecate withdraws a little and gasps, opening her eyes and blinking as Pippa's face comes into focus. She's panting raggedly, eyes glistening. Hiccup. She curls her fingers against the back of Hecate's neck, and Hecate realizes belatedly that Pippa's other hand is tangled in the front of her blouse, tugging the fabric partly free from her skirt. Hecate is this? Yes, Hecate chokes, not knowing the question, but suspecting, hoping her answer is enough. Pippa surges forward, rewarding her answer with a hungry kiss. I've wanted this. You, you don't, mm, how long, she gasps between kisses, while Hecate chases the words, swallows them, curls her arm around Pippa, and desperately, desperately pulls her closer. Years, Hecate breathes, and she means it as a confession. Decades. Yes. Hecate freezes again, wide-eyed, as Pippa withdraws a little to gaze breathlessly up at her their noses brushing. It's hard to focus on her face. What? Hecate manages, feeling as though the world has just tilted off its axis. You're right, Pippa says, a question in her tone. And then her eyes grow wide as saucers, and she curls her fingers all the tighter against Hecate to draw her closer as the tears spark again in her eyes, a ragged breath leaving her. Decades. Into the ebb and flow of magic between them, Hecate inserts a silent question. Since school? And in the rush of Pippa's magic flooding back into her, she thinks she feels the answer. Yes. With kissed bruised lips and a deep purple trail of magic chasing Hecate's thumb down her cheek, Pippa, Pippa fists both hands into the front of Hecate's blouse and asks, breathlessly, are you going to take me to bed or not? Pippa is quite certain she fell asleep nestled beneath Hecate's chin. Certain that they lay front to front, stretched beneath the sheets, a fold of the comforter tucked between their bodies. Hecate, ever sensitive to cold, had shuffled beneath it when her hands began to grow cold. Pippa herself had still been warm, couldn't bear the full weight of all of that bedding snuggled up as close as possible, and let herself be content as Hecate's magic washed over and threw her with a quick shower spell. She is stolen beneath the covers, too, by the time she wakes up. She does prefer to be cozy, for they are both tucked snugly into the bedding now. At some point, Hecate must have rolled away, and Pippa, of course, had followed. Wakes wrapped around Hecate from behind, pressed snugly against the warm plane of her back, 
nuzzled into the raven hair with a few lone flyaways to cling her ear, her chin, her neck. Unwinding herself carefully from Hecate's body, not wanting to disturb her, Pippa stretches slowly, arching up off the bed with a barely suppressed moan. Her whole body is alight, a dim and satisfying glow from the last night, and something more. She has felt Hecate's magic within her before, has carried tentative tendrils of it curled within her chest for months, ever since it was strong enough to be felt and shared, but never like this, never like a white-hot light, a burning sun enveloping her heart, never like her own personal star nestled in her breast. She understands so much of Hecate now, and her family, the prestige behind the name Heartbroom, not just because of its age, but the power in the line. The rigid control Hecate has exerted over her power since childhood. But she knows, she knows, that all that raw power bent to good. Well, the moon may guide the tides, but without the sun life does not exist. Pippa breathes long and slow and deep, and curls a hand over her heart, feels the magic inside of her align with Hecate's energies, and hums softly at the heat and light and life. She tiptoes across the floor to the bathroom, runs a bath, fills the tub with soft pink foam and the subtle wafting aromas of her favorite post-workout soak. If it helps to ease her calves after a jog, well. She nibbles at her lip as she leaves the bathroom, leaning against the doorframe and tucking a lock of hair behind her ear to gaze at Hecate where she lies, still sleeping, in the middle of Pippa's bed. With a contented sigh, she magics herself into her clothes and transfers to her office. First, she'll mirror Ada to see that Hecate's classes are covered for the day and that she's not needed or expected for the weekend. Then, she'll let her deputy know the same. Hecate wakes slowly, blinking her eyes open to a golden halo in the full light of day. She wrenches her eyes shut at the brightness and after a moment, the light against her eyelids diminishes. When she opens her eyes again, Pippa's face is close, the remaining light still catching softly in her hair, a timid smile on her lips. Sorry, she murmurs. Is this better? Mmm. Hecate can't quite bring herself to attempt words yet. Just stares blearily at Pippa instead. Erythreal, beautiful Pippa, with her hair shining like spun gold. She returns Pippa's smile, broader, warmer, stretches her limbs out, and winces at how sore they are, at the shock of pain in her right shoulder. How do you feel, Pippa asks, eyes full of care when Hecate meets her gaze again. Hecate is quiet for a moment, then swallows at the dryness in her throat. Too soon to tell, she mumbles, flexing her fingers and toes shifting against the soft surface of the bed. Pippa shifts just a little closer, fingertips ghosting across Hecate's collarbone. There's a bath ready for you, she says, and her tone seems different now, uncertain. For the first time, Hecate notices that Pippa is dressed. Only don't be upset when you see it. You're going to love the way it feels. Promise. What humor is there in her tone seems forced. Hecate shrinks a little, 
but manages to imbue her own tone with a little humor when she asks, Is it pink? Just a bit, Pippa replies, and the smile at the edge of her mouth is tentative. Hecate recognizes the uncertainty and thinks back over the previous night and over the very brief time she spent awake. The evening had been delightful, equal parts enthusiastic and tender, and utterly free of reservation. Well, free of reservation on Pippa's part. But any reservations Hecate had had, Pippa had deftly navigated with words and touch, giving Hecate confidence in what she felt, and what she wanted, and what she needed. She had been perceptive and open, readily acting and reacting, to make sure Hecate was comfortable, and sharing her own wants with equal readiness, modifying as needed without complaint, indeed with fervor, to ensure they both felt the best pleasure had to offer between them. She'd been wonderful, had made Hecate feel wonderful, and, Hecate thinks, Pippa had felt that too in equal measure, had been all encouragement, all praise. Surely she doesn't regret it now. For a moment, Hecate fears this may be the cause, feels her stomach drop and her heart race, but her eyes catch on Pippa's. She sees the hope there, and the thought shifts. Does Pippa think that she has regrets? Too soon to tell, she'd said. It had only been honest, but, well, perhaps Pippa was trying to ask a different question entirely. It hadn't occurred to her, has never once crossed her mind, that Pippa might doubt her own worth in any way, could question her value in Hecate's eyes for even a moment. But it was Hecate who left. Hecate left, and Hecate avoided mirror chats, and made excuses every time Pippa tried to reach out. And Pippa is lying here now with a question in her eyes, and a downward turn to her mouth, and Hecate realizes that they have so so much to talk about before they can really heal, before they can understand each other. For now, she can try for something simple to assuage Pippa's fears. She breathes, favors her lower lip uncertainly, gathers the nerve to murmur, ask me if it was worth it. Something flashes in Pippa's eyes at that, something Hecate can't quite place, and Pippa shifts closer the corner of her mouth tugging upward slightly, breath shallow. Was it worth it? She asks on a breath. Goddess, Hecate loves her. She can't help it. She tilts her chin, brushes her lips softly against Pippa's, and the breath stills in her lungs as Pippa kisses back, soft and sweet. Like this, she can almost forget the ache in her body. But even if she cannot forget it, the importance of it diminishes here now, with her lips against Pippa's and their breath intermingling. Yes, she replies, tries to imbue as much certainty into it as possible. All of it, every second, a thousand times over. She is rewarded with Pippa's smile. It breaks across her face and shines like the sun. She glows. Hecate stares. After a long moment, Pippa splays her fingers against Hecate's breastbone and gives her a little push. Go on, she murmurs, the smile still bright on her face and a hint of laughter behind her voice. Take your bath. Hecate curls her fingers around Pippa's, strokes her thumb against Pippa's palm. 
come with me? Pippa's nose and eyes crinkle, and her smile goes just a little crooked, lower lip caught between her teeth. She tilts her chin again, presses her mouth more hungrily against Hecate's. Hecate hums softly with pleasure, twines her fingers loosely with Pippa's, and sighs against her lip. I like that idea. Hecate feels her lips curl, doesn't try to stop the smile. She brings Pippa's hand to her lips, presses a kiss into her palm, and softly, shyly, but knowing somehow she won't regret it, she says, I love you, because she does, because after everything, she owes it to Pippa, and she is just wise enough to think that, just maybe, she owes it to herself too. Suddenly, Pippa's eyes are gleaming. She presses close, closer, body brushing Hecate's body, nose nudging Hecate's nose. Oh, hiccup, she almost whispers, voice tremulous. My hiccup. Hecate's heart thunders, tension knotting her throat. I love you too. Her fingers brush Hecate's jaw, her lips, her chin. I always have, she adds and Hecate can't stop the shudder of her breath as it leaves her. Pippa's lips traverse her face, chin to cheek to forehead to nose. Always will. Hecate sobs, sobs and then laughs, and with tears on her cheeks, joy in her heart, and Pippa's magic blooming in her breast, she takes hold of her and kisses and kisses and kisses her and vows to never, ever, let go. The end.